0: We're in John chapter 3. We've just finished the Nicodemus sequence. The Nicodemus Dialogue, remember Nicodemus is um, essentially a literary device uh, used to set Jesus up to answer a bunch of questions and to articulate some important theological material with regards to Jesus' own identity thus far we've been dealing with Jesus' identity throughout the entirety of the gospel. We deal. One of the things we deal with is Jesus' identity and what you can know about Jesus from what he says and what he does. And uh, we have all these affirmations of who Jesus is. And then we have Nicodemus coming in the nighttime to ask these questions to set Jesus up to answer them. And we have that beautiful John 3.16. And then we have John 3.17, which really explains John 3.16. And without one, you can't understand the other. And without the other, you can't understand the one. So it's all critical and important. And and then it moves into this highly philosophical, almost Greco-Roman style uh, articulation about light, where he says in verse 19, and this is the c- judgment that the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Now, we kind of ran over that last time in the course of our conversation. But that little phrasing there, because their deeds were evil, really, really, really needs to be looked at. Engar out-toned Ponera to Erga, for the evil were the works of them, for their works were evil. Poneira, evil. And that word is... Um, there's really no way to soften that word. You can soften hate, but ponera, you can't soften. It's unmitigated evil, and and by that we mean harm-doing evil, evil that does harm to others or to self. And I think that's something that should be noted. It's not so much, yes it is that they did not have faith in Jesus, But when you get down to it, why don't they have faith in Jesus? It's because their works, their erga, or we get energy from the word work in Greek, erga. Uh, We're ponera, we're, we're evil. For all who do evil, for all who exercise or produce or generate evil, hate the light. Uh, would prefer not to be, uh, have the light shined on them, (laughs) is another possible translation. They do not prefer the light. They hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed, thinking that if light, and here we don't mean literal light, we mean metaphorical light, spiritual light, uh, theological light, the illumination of God, The illumination of God's grace, of God's peace, of God's presence shines a a light that pierces and identifies that which is evil from that which is not. But those who do what is true come to the light. Now, I think that's interesting. It, It balances off evil with truth. Those who do what is true. Um, Aletheon. Aletheia, truth, which, which quite literally means that which is not false. That which is not false. That which is true in its ultimate sense of truth. But those who do what is true, those who act in accordance with the presence of God within them, those who act according to the nature that God has given them, God, those who act according to the Holy Spirit's presence within them, who are true. You could even say true to self as self is actualized inside God if you really want to get philosophical here, or even metaphysical, because this is the passage that lends itself that direction. Interesting that truth here offsets evil, almost as if when you do that which is evil, you are not being true. You could even say it this way. When you do that which is panera, which is evil, you are not being true, aletheia, to the best that God has given you. Wow. You are being untruthful with yourself. When you are exercising evil, you are not being true to that which God has given you. In in your very creation,
1: but maybe the evil is why you're not as pure as you should be.
0: I guess it's the question of the chicken and the egg, yeah, isn't, it? isn't it? And I'm not sure if you if there's an easy way to answer that because synergistic <laughs> concepts are present throughout the New Testament. They're present in the Old Testament too. Uh, synergisms are there, and you may very well have that here. But this whole idea. Of, of evil being offset by truth and the possible therefore understanding that evil is in fact um, refusing to be true to self because that then becomes self-destructive. Refusing to be true to God because that becomes destructive to relationships. Refusing to be true to others in one's relationships because that becomes destructive. That's an important balance, I think. And yes, indeed, reflective of a Greek like or Greek-oriented, but not necessarily hostile to Jewish, more like diaspora Greek, or diaspora Jewish, Jews who live in, in the Greek territories, who speak Greek, and yet have Jewish and Hebraic theological ways of thinking. It's, it's the marriage there, which we see in Paul, right here in this philosophical statement about light and dark evil and not good but truth and isn't it interesting he says i am the truth and the light not i am good okay. i am the way the truth and the light." that's a fascinating articulation uh, the good is assumed within truth uh, almost to a point of it being trite
1: you wrote, you said i think true um, evil is offset by truth did you not say
0: that evil off is off. truth offsets evil okay i wrote down
1: erroneously but it makes the same sense truth is offset by evil
0: that Erroneous. is also it, it, it evil counteracts or contradicts truth yeah, yeah that's the idea you're talking about right. And that does happen. Where truth is denied, you have Ponera, you have destruction, you have um, damage to be done, and hence evil. Now we think of evil as, you know, the emperor in his robes with his hands and you know shooting lightning bolts out of his hands and roasting Luke Skywalker. Well, yeah, that's oh, that's, you, you, that you that's it. an idea, but that's that's melodramatic. Evil, quite frankly, probably doesn't see itself as evil. It's, you know, (laughs) type evil is in movies. Voldemort is in the movies and in books. But evil is often not self-conscious of itself as such, although it knows there's something wrong because it wants to hide out the darkness.
2: Like a sociopath.
0: I don't need to keep anything covered up for fear that any revelation might very well prove damaging to the facade I have created. And I therefore cannot be true to self, true to reality, true to God, true to others. I have to hide behind this mask of falseness.
1: Unless his wife is true and she testifies against him. Exactly.
2: That I offsets that exactly evil by coming.
1: <laughs>
2: I knew
0: it. The truth speaks. <laughs> this is where we were.
2: I'm just sitting here thinking I was married to somebody like that. I you were when you said And I think sometimes it, it, this is the frightening thing about evil is it can be a sociopath, which is taking the needle all the way to the other yeah. end, but then bring it back to the middle. There's everyday evil. Oh, yeah. And you can watch it go down, and it, it's frightening because it's such a small step, and you go, well, you know, may, and you can say, well, maybe they're having a bad day, or maybe this, or maybe that, and you love it go. Now, there's some stuff you can just, just look at it, and it's it just... Yeah, well, it just, yeah. Right? follow just the journey know. of
0: Adolf Hitler. At what point did he go from being misguided to... A poor artist in Vienna. A poor artist... Yeah, a failed soldier from <laughs> World War I, uh, it, to, to a poor artist in Vienna, to a prisoner uh, in jail writing Mein Kampf. To, at what point does he become evil? Is I it think when it's he, always there. Is it when he acts upon it?
2: I think it's
3: always there.
0: He certainly wasn't hiding out in the, in the darkness. Mm-hmm. He was writing his mind Kampf and letting everybody know what his objective was. If you simply read it. Mm-hmm. Well, he became evil when he received power. Well, he became chancellor yeah. uh, of, 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 of Germany. Well, but um, I mean, the evil that uh, has no power is what?
3: Still evil. Sick. <laughs> yes, yeah, but if it, if it, oh. What
0: destruction does it do? It does destruction to self. It does oh. destruction to those in your immediacy. But it may not be able to carry for, forward its full scope of evil. It's more self-contained. So, so you have to back it up from before he became Reich's Chancellor. you got to go back in time. At some point when this hatred of Jews or whatever it was reached this point of megalomaniacal desire to wipe them out. And then, I mean, you know, somewhere back even before then when he started to formulate it, some point, some place, something snapped.
2: When it became believed. When evil, evil established itself when it is believed.
0: Yeah, by
2: it's, him to yes, begin with. to begin with, that's the first step.
1: He faved the untrue.
0: Well, actually? yeah. If you want to, if you want to put it that way, because the because there, because it, you just stated it correctly. I mean, there is no neutral setting on pistis. Pistio, the verb, has two directions. Now we normally talk about pistio and apistio. Apistio is faith going the other way. We would often call that disfaith. But what it actually is is faith in the wrong thing. That's right. You got your belief, but your beliefs are all screwed up and you're acting upon them, what are you going to produce? A disaster. And and, and that's exactly what happened. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Verse 22 of John chapter 3. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he spent some time there with them and baptized Oops, (laughs) oops <laughs> and He's baptized month, no, he didn't. <laughs> now we just spent a year in the synoptic gospels and did he ever baptize anybody in the synoptics no he didn't, no. No, he didn't. did he ever get baptized in the well the synoptics yeah he did he uh-huh. didn't he doesn't in john although it happens it that interesting. but we don't we hear about it but we don't actually get to see it even in luke We hear about it after he was baptized. Mm -hmm. The the Holy Spirit descends on him. Uh, But in Mark and in Matthew, he is. Here we have it saying, point blank, he baptized people. We don't have it anywhere else. The synoptics don't say it. In fact, they imply rather stringently that he does not exercise baptism himself. Did he baptized in the name of... Me, myself, and I. <laughs> <laughs> that trinity. <laughs> I baptize thee and me. <laughs> and that I guess. The, one, and it. if you think about it, what he does is he sends his disciples out to baptize. That's yeah. what he does. What does he mean? himself doesn't baptize in the in the synoptics. He sends his disciples out to practice baptism. And in the end, at the end of Matthew's gospel, that's precisely what he does. He sends them out into all the world to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So who baptized the disciples? In many cases, they were running on John's baptism. Mm -hmm. Um, Some would say that Jesus baptizes them in the Holy Spirit at Pentecost in the Acts of the Apostles.
1: I think that's true. Without water.
0: Without water. That was in tongues of fire. Now... One argument has been made that you've got the disciples doing the outward invisible sign of baptism. And you got Jesus doing the inward and spiritual grace of baptism. Well,
3: in the synoptic, doesn't it say, John say, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you,
0: you with the Holy Spirit and oh, fire.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep, that's exactly sufferers. right.
2: And then if you go to four to
0: chapter four, don't give it away. You're <laughs> supposed.
1: Yeah. Don't be talking to parallel. Not there yet. yet. You know he's gonna <laughs> drop it on Us, I mean. Don't don't I, jump ahead, I, sister.
0: You're ruining I'm it. I was reading
2: ahead. <laughs> don't read ahead.
1: on the nerve. Cheating
0: <laughs> again, not Here we have, in John chapter three verse twenty-two, it says point blank that he spent some time with them and baptized. And it gets worse. John, the Baptist, also was baptizing at um, Anon, near uh, Salem, because water was abundant there. And people kept coming and were being baptized. John, of course, had not yet been thrown into prison. Well, yeah, duh. (laughs) That's sort of like an after the fact observation. (laughs) Now a discussion about purification arose between John's disciples and a Jew or the Jews depending upon your source. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that's interesting. There's John as Rabbi. Rabbi, the one who was with you across the Jordan to whom you testified in other words, he, and, and what he testified was, here comes the Lamb of God to takes away the sin of the world. Here he is baptizing. And all are going to him. In other words, hey, hey, John, baptizer, guess what? Jesus, who you pointed to, he's over there baptizing everybody. And the lines are long. John answered, no one can receive anything except what has been given from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I have been sent ahead of him. And who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. For this reason, my joy has been fulfilled. He must increase and I must decrease. Don't you talk to me about that. I'm happy they're going to him. I'm not the Messiah, I told you I'm not the Messiah. I'm like the the best man at the wedding. And I'm happy they're going to him. I'm happy they are. That's what's supposed to be him. And then the verse that should be put on a plaque on every pastor's wall and especially every bishop's wall, he must increase and I must decrease. Now, textually speaking, it's unclear throughout the entire New Testament where quotations are. That's, uh, that Quotations in the New Testament are all the result of translators' opinions. And that's most opinions uh, currently are that that ends John the Baptist's little speech. But then paragraph beginning at verse 31 and going through 36 kind of just floats out there. It actually reads as if John the Baptist is saying this. But it puts something very fascinating into John the Baptist's own lips that make him sound like a Christian. Hence, some people have said, well, this can't be from him. But I think John the Apostle, the author of the gospel, was putting it in John the Baptist's lips on purpose. Let's read it. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks about earthly things. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, yet no one accepts his testimony. We've already heard this kind of articulation back in chapter one, haven't we? Yeah. Whoever has accepted his testimony has certified this, that God is true. He whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has placed all things in his hands. Well, where they've got two two people of the Trinity, the Father and the Son mentioned in the same verse. John the Baptist is almost a Trinitarian here. And in fact, you have the Holy Spirit, you have the whole Trinity being mentioned here in this paragraph, wow. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever disobeys the Son will not see life, but must endure God's wrath. You kind of see why, they, why the translators want to take this out of quotation marks and use it as a, a more of John speaking, John the Apostle, the author of the gospel speaking. Whereas, in point of fact, based on the flow of the preceding paragraphs, it actually sounds more like it's supposed to come from John the Baptist's own lips. More of his commentary. Of course, it's way beyond John the Baptist's ability to do. But if you're dealing with a community of John the Baptist people who are uh, a little bit still chafing under the idea that their leader kind of got pushed aside, what better way to kind of draw them in than to say, see, he very much accepted the whole idea that Jesus is the Son of God. And he was happy that they were going to him to Jesus for baptism instead of to John the Baptist. John the Baptist was happy they were all going to Jesus to be baptized. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John, skip the aside, he left Judea and started back to Galilee. In there, you have an interesting little aside. Although he was not, it was not Jesus himself, but his disciples who baptized. And that's what Susan was going to try to pull up Uh before it's time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you read the sentence without the first part of verse two, actually, without verse two at all, you don't miss it, do you? In fact, verse 2 totally interrupts the sentence structure. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: That's why I said read it without verse 2. Let's do it again. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard, quote, Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John, he, Jesus, left Judea and started back to Galilee. It's a complete sentence.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And in Greek, it works beautifully. In fact, when you dump that aside in there, it screws everything up. So it screws up the sentence structure. It's more likely that what we have here at the beginning of verse four is an account. Recognizing that Jesus was a baptizer. He baptized folk. The entirety of chapter three from verse 22 on requires that Jesus be baptized in folk. John the Baptist wasn't upset about that. he thought it was a good thing. But interestingly enough, most if not all of the New Testament church period seem to deny that Jesus ever baptized, except for this. Now there is the secret gospel of Mark, which makes the claim that Jesus had baptized one person, Mark, <laughs> but, but uh, but apart from that he's not depicted as baptizing folk and in fact that is an aspect characteristic that seems to be present in the synoptics and in the Acts of the Apostles those gospels seem to be predicated on a, an understanding that Jesus' job wasn't to baptize that's the disciples and the church's job because if you understand the Pauline understanding of baptism it's baptism into Jesus into his life, into his death, into his resurrection. So Jesus doing the ritual would be more or less superfluous, all right? So, so you could you can make that argument that the synoptic gospels and the acts of the apostles within Pauline Christianity in general, which was all part of the mix at that time, tended to look at baptism as something that Jesus didn't do. And yet we have preserved here in John's gospel in an interesting little um, speech of John the Baptist. I mean, the, the, the Jew sets him up to make this wonderful long speech about the nature of Jesus as being the Messiah, as being the Son of God, as being one sent from heaven, sent from above, as being one that is greater than him, all the stuff he's said before. And he's baptized him, and he's not upset about it. I think it's a good thing. I'm carrying him on. Hey, Jesus. Yeah. Go, Jesus. Go, Jesus. Yeah, dunk another one for God. <laughs> okay. And... Ask about. Yeah, exactly. And, and then you get into chapter 4, and he continues with the thought. It doesn't seem to be at all there that there's any problem with this whole idea of Jesus baptizing. Jesus finds out the Pharisees are talking about it and saying, Oh, my goodness, he's making tons and tons of, of converts, more, more so than John the Baptist. And so he decides he doesn't want to be in this competition with John, so he leaves. And then later, the last editor, probably, of John's Gospel, the last of the editors who went through and adjusted things and gave it context and meaning and polished things up, comes in and adds this little aside. Now, I was thinking, well, maybe it was a later edition even than that. And I went back and looked at the textual history of the Gospel of John, and it's there all the way back to the beginning. But it interrupts a complete sentence in Greek, which is just a fascinating observation. That's usually an indicator that this has been added by later copies to the margin, but it's not there. Our earliest copy of this part of John's Gospel contains it exactly as you see it. So in all likelihood, it was part of the autograph of John's Gospel.
3: but, uh, Baptism wasn't a common ritual. I mean, cleansing with water was a, a ritual for Jews, but baptism wasn't necessarily, except for proselytes, was it?
0: Women uh, who can't be circumcised would be baptized. It was a common ritual amongst the Essene communities as a ritual bath, but it'd be one that you would repeat many times. The understanding, the Christian understanding of many multiple Christian understandings of baptism, but the one that which prevailed in Pauline Christianity and Synoptic Christianity, uh, was that baptism was a once-or-for-all type dedication and entrance into a new community.
3: Well, I mean, John the Baptist, baptism was...
0: For repentance of sin. Was different... To than, make way, to get ready for the coming was of Was different the than
3: what the Jews would have been. Oh, Yeah.
0: What he was doing was very different from what the Jews would have been commonly used to. That baptism for Jews at that time tended to be more of a ritual cleansing that you would do every day. Yeah,
1: They didn't call that baptism. Did the Jews call that baptism?
0: But baptism is, is an English transliteration of the Greek word baptizo. They had a totally different yeah. word which meant purification, quite literally. And the whole idea is that It's a spiritual or purifying bath that one took to ritually purify yourself and the Essenes did it every day to make themselves ritually pure Um, and it evolved out of the practices of the Jews where they had to take certain baths at certain times, certain rituals and and cleansings they had to go through uh, for various reasons um it then became more important as a religious affirmation than john the baptist was doing it to prepare people in a very special cleansing to prepare them for the coming of the messiah that's a different application of it and then jesus and the church takes it and makes it even more different by making it the portal through which one enters into the kingdom of god one enters into the church and it therefore takes the place pretty much, of circumcision. Gotcha.
1: What has more value to, to the Greeks, if I'm remembering this correctly? Something physical or something mental in the mind? Mental, Okay.
0: but they would often say that the physical is the shadow of the mental. Exactly, so wouldn't
1: it make, to me, it's starting to make sense that if the Greeks, if there is a Greek influence at all here, Jesus shouldn't, doesn't have to. Put his hands on you and put water on him because he's got. That, he's would be, there. that would be so secular. He is the
0: inward and spiritual grace of that which is then shadowed by the outward invisible sign. That whole mm-hmm. sacramental definition mm-hmm. stems straight back to Greek thought. Exactly, and it, which you see here. So they don't want him.
1: They don't. A Greek would not give any value at all. Jesus wouldn't be around. So the outward Albertans. act of baptism. He's well, it's a shadow because and, and it has. Be, a,
0: and it has value as a shadow. But from the mind... But what's important is what's going on in mind here.
1: Mind and spirit. So. Yeah. That's what's most important. So he wouldn't be, you know, he wouldn't be washing his hands and stuff like that. He no. wouldn't need to.
0: He wouldn't need well, to. not spiritually, no. Hence, he can argue against washing of one's hands before eating and that kind of stuff, which the <laughs> Jews would just admit it. <laughs> 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 uh, but he does that in synoptics, too. Um, But what we have here in chapter 4, the very beginning, is an intrusion into the Jehannine thought in verse 2 where it says, although it was not Jesus himself but his disciples who baptized. It intrudes into this sentence unnaturally. It, It violates the sentence structure. And what it does is it then reconforms John's gospel to the norm of the Christian community that was existing in the day in the synoptic and Pauline uh, milieu. So in other words, what we have is an echo in John of Jesus having baptized folk, which runs contrary to every other memory that is present out there. And somebody in the Johannine community at the last stage of the editing of the book realized we got a problem here, let's fix that. And so they added in this little sentence, all this little uh, side, although it was not Jesus himself, but his disciples who baptized. In direct contradiction to the entirety of the flow from verse 22 through 36 of chapter 3, which assumes that it's Jesus who's doing the baptizing, and the very reason for Jesus wanting to leave, which was the Pharisees saying, Ha ha, Jesus is getting more converts than John, ha 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 ha.
2: This is such an intrusion. I was wondering if the syntax is also um, foreign to uh, the rest of the text.
0: Well, it, it just it just it drops down into the middle of this sentence mm-hmm. in chapter the very beginning of chapter but, four.
2: At, at, is it a, in Greek? Is it um, where it's it has that little noun phrase at the end? But his disciples.
0: Okay, here it is in Greek. Um, when therefore. Uh, knew the Lord that, the, that heard the Pharisees, that Jesus uh, more disciples made than John baptized, by baptizing, though Jesus himself baptized not, but the disciples of him, he left Judea and went away again into Galilee. Oh, that's a lot smoother, Not that's even worse. When, uh, when the Lord knew that the, Lord, that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples baptized. That's the side, yeah, verse two. It, it does the, break just, the flow structure of the sentence. If you leave out verse two and go straight through, Um, heard the Pharisees heard the Pharisees uh, that Jesus more disciples made and baptized than John he, that refers back to Jesus before the break, he left Judea and went away again into Galilee so the he left of Achan uh refers that the he there refers directly back across the break of verse two to Jesus. It, 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 the, the break in the middle of it is a non-grammatical intrusion into the sentence structure that makes no sense. and if you take it out, the sentence flows beautifully. As it, so it wasn't. I can say this for a fact. It was not there when it was when the sentence was originally written. And some scholarship says that, you know, this little part here in chapter 4 actually goes back to some of the earliest strata of the Gospel of John. It's one of those anecdotes of something that Jesus did that has some echoing feeling to it that even feels something like the synoptics. Certainly has the character of Jesus that we know from the synoptics in it. And so that's what we're that's what we're going to see here in chapter 4 because it's the woman at the well in Samaria.
2: Before we do, I would like to ask the question, and, and I need this for my own knowledge of Christianity and, and the Baptist faith. There have been times where people try to uh, point out parts of the Bible that don't make sense or uh, are hypocritical of our beliefs. And is this is this fuel for the fire? What what is so terrible that the that the Lord Jesus baptized how, how does that prove that this is not the second coming? Or, I'm sorry, the first, first coming. <laughs>
0: it doesn't. Yeah. What, it, what it reflects is a time period in which followers of John the Baptist are still a little bit cheesed off but their leader got pushed aside. Um. And so the spit about trying to ameliorate the conflict is there. And you don't have John the Baptist baptizing Jesus in John's gospel. You, you have John the Baptist being given a very important role, but he's nevertheless subservient to Jesus. He's, he is the best man at the wedding, they there applauding as all these people are coming to be baptized by him. All right. The early church made it very clear that Jesus didn't compete with John the Baptist in baptizing folk. He wasn't a baptizer himself. His baptism was not in water, it was not a competition. You know, they weren't out there saying, how many can dunk you know, more people in an hour kind of bed. They They weren't doing that, and so, that was, an, and yet that's not what we see in John's Gospel. In fact, we see the exact opposite. And so if that was the tradition that was floating around there, what better way to try to, to diffuse it by saying, well, it really wasn't Jesus himself doing it. He's sitting there watching his disciples do the baptizing. All right.
2: How does it prove that this is just a prophet and not... Um, our Lord
0: I don't think he does
2: because that's this is one of the arguments that have been made is because he baptized therefore he is not our Lord
0: oh because he he deigned to actually do baptisms yeah. uh well I mean you can make the argument that John is trying to counteract that in verse 2 <laughs> <laughs> by saying that he wasn't the one doing it um, I, I, don't, I don't think that... I, I suspect that probably Jesus didn't baptize. I think maybe the synoptic and Pauline traditions are correct on that. And that he didn't baptize, and that what we have in John's Gospel is an echo stemming from Baptist community, John the Baptist communities, who are still chafing about the whole issue and complaining about Jesus having done it. And, here, and, it got, and, it, and it managed to filter its way into the Jehanine community. And then here, it's somebody later in the community is trying to fix the problem by saying, oh, although it was not Jesus himself, but his disciples who baptized. I think that's kind of what we're seeing here more than anything else. It's an echo of an earlier tradition that he had done baptisms. But even earlier than that, in the Pauline community in the 50s, there seems to be a clear understanding that Jesus didn't do it.
2: So in other words, it's a moot point, It's a moot whether, point. whether he did or did not. It's, one again, one of those little mm-hmm. uh, tests, you know, if you are... Mm-hmm.
0: And if there's any question as to the nature of who Jesus is, well, in chapter 1, John has explicated it brilliantly. Uh, we, have, we have the prologue's affirmation of who he is. We have Andrew affirming who he is. We have Nathaniel affirming who he is. We have the text telling us that he knows people and what they're gonna do because he knows their minds. He's omniscient. We have him changing water into wine. We have him cleansing the temple, doing all that stuff. We have this wonderful speech with uh, responding to Nicodemus in which he's teaching a leader of the people in this highly philosophical stuff. We have him being successful, quote unquote, in baptisms. But then we have to ask the question was he really doing it well? That verse 2, which intrudes into the verse, comes later after afterwards says that he doesn't and it's in conformity with even earlier traditions that said It all he goes didn't. back to the audience. Yes, it does. It does. It does. They're writing for that audience and they've got to make them happy. What you have in John here in chapter three is material, and the beginning of chapter four, is material about Jesus that included the thought that he actually did some baptisms. And it appeared, at least to some people who were watching, that they were in competition with John the Baptist and the John the Baptist communities. And the church was trying to say, -uh, nah, nah, no, no, that's not what was going on. Now there are some scholars who say that proves that he did. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. could be. <laughs> I don't know about that.
1: What do they give for the... What, yeah, I know it's just the older tradition echo, but that's awful close in three to be echoing that Jesus was baptizing people to come... Well, did they forget to change three when they were doing this? You see what I'm saying? No. Nope. There's no logic there at all. They
0: don't, they don't worry about that.
1: Oh, we said this here, but then
0: no, they don't worry about that. A couple verses later we said it, it. Well, they fixed it. In, in verse 2 of yeah. chapter 4. Why did they just go and, back but and the other to it? It's important to keep the water part because of what we're going to get next of the woman at the well. Yeah. yeah. That
1: water flowing thing.
0: Living water. Which by the way is a is a phrase that reflects the idea of flowing water and baptism was to be done in flowing or living water, not static and dead water. So you could actually make the claim that that the claims about Jesus doing baptisms here in chapter 3 presages what's going to happen in chapter 4 with the yeah. woman at the well. Hence it's necessary to keep that stuff, but also necessary to inject into it this little <laughs> aside. Oh, by the that? way, no, he didn't really do mm-hmm. baptisms himself, it was what was observed. It was him observing his disciples his people, did it. His people were doing his it. His people were doing His staff was doing the yeah. baptism. He would wet his hands. Let's keep going. So let's pick it up again. Let's start over again at the beginning of verse uh, four. Now, when Jesus learned that the uh, Pharisees had heard Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John, although it was not Jesus himself, but his disciples were baptized, he left Judea and started back to Galilee. Note, but he had to go through Samaria. He didn't take the Jordan River Valley pra- uh, path. He went through the mountains. He made the pass up through through the center of, of the mountain ranges, through Samaria, hitting the Megiddo uh, Pass into the Jezreel Valley.
1: Well, if you like water, you just the river.
0: Uh, for I mean, some reason he decided for some reason he decided not to go down to the Jordan River Valley. He decided to take the mountain path.
1: And why would he do
0: that? I don't know. They made him do that. They wrote that
1: he did that. Why did they write that?
0: Maybe he did. <laughs> well, Maybe he decided, cool. I want to go by the mountain path. I don't want to go down by the Jordan Still
1: River.
0: Humid. Mm-hmm. Well, considering that this takes place apparently pretty quickly after um, after, uh, after Passover and you notice these baptisms are going on not at, um, beyond the Jordan, on the Jordan River or there beyond, but, but up in the Judean countryside. There's some speculation that it may be due to flood stage issues in the Jordan River Valley. You can't make the pathway going north because the Jordan River is overflowing its banks and it, it it would do that. It's been dammed up now, but it, back then it, it would do that, and it, it could become wide, and rushing, and very dangerous. And you couldn't walk along, make your negotiate your way along the Jordan River Valley going north because the river has overflowed its banks all the way to the mountain range. So you might as well go ahead and stay mm-hmm. in the mountains to begin with. on high ground. Wouldn't That's it be just simple enough to
3: say we wouldn't have this story if he went by oh, the river? sure, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Maybe the purpose.
0: He is has that. to go to Samaria. <laughs> now, who lives in Samaria?
1: The Good Samaritan. The Samaritan. <laughs> <The Samaritans. laughs> who are the Samaritans? Those were those people, weren't they? Um, it wasn't they? they mixed. Yeah. They yeah.
2: Were mixed. There was the children of the Hebrews mm-hmm. that. Um,
3: Married the
0: native. The Assyrians brought people in there and forced them to. The member Solomon dies. The kingdom is split north and south. (coughs) And the kingdom in the north is known as Israel. The kingdom in the south is known as Judea. Made up of Judah, tribe of Judah, tribe of Benjamin and the Levites. The ten tribes are in the north. The ten tribes call themselves Israelites. The southern kingdom call themselves Judahites or Jews. The Jews of today are all descended from people of the southern kingdom, not of the northern kingdom. In 721 B.C., Assyria defeats the northern kingdom in battle, and the Syrians had a bad habit of deporting the rulers and landed gentry and their servants and families and whoever else was giving them any kind of trouble at all and deporting them out and settling them usually along the borders with other countries that they were having wars with. And at that point in time, Assyria was having a real problem with the Kingdom of Aratu, which was just north of them, in what we call modern-day Armenia. Uh, you know, that, that, that land piece of land between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea. And so, they settled the northern kingdom, the rulers, the, the power brokers, the landed gentry, their servants, and whoever else was giving them trouble, they relocated them to there, to that region between Assyria and Aratu, and did what they liked to do, which was they take the people from there <laughs> who were giving them trouble and relocated them into Israel, into the Northern Kingdom region. And these people intermarried with the folk who stayed behind and created the Samaritans. They used a version of the Torah that's different from the southern kingdoms' usage of the Torah is less complete. They uh, did not worship in Jerusalem; they worshiped at Dan and Bethel, and um, they the, they were therefore considered to be um, well the kind of people you just don't want to be around. <laughs> but the northern they were people who had been imported by the Assyrians who intermarried with the people who remained and the Samaritans were the results. So they're kind of half related to the Southern Kingdom, but more imports than not. And uh, the religious practices varied rather significantly. They are not Jews, definitely not Jews. And neither were the people in the North who were deported. They were Hebrews, I'm glad you used that term. Now, that's the Samaritans. Here's Jesus, a good rabbi. He's getting ready to do a couple of three things that are no-no's. But he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. Now that's just amazing. He's tuckered out. He's tired. Here is the word of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the Son of God, the Messiah, the King of Israel, omniscient, able to change water into wine, able to argue with Nicodemus at night and and blow him away theologically. Here is Jesus, Tarred. and it's the heat of the day it's about noon oh that's interesting we have this godly divine Jesus juxtaposed here now with this human Jesus who's tired and thirsty that's fascinating
2: well you had said huh? um, long ago um Jesus, God, was poured into oh, yes. this body. Yeah. And so, of course, this body would tire because it is of the earth. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when he, he was tempted by the devil to take it easy on himself.
0: In the synoptics.
2: Yes. This might be the same situation where, yeah, he could just, you know, tell the Holy Spirit to lighten his load for a little while and carry him, but he, he didn't. He did as humans do, he being
0: a woman to carry. He's walking the mountain paths. He's tarred. It's the heat of the day. He sits down by Jacob's well. Very much a human in every characteristic. I think it's fascinating that we have that right here, and this person who does this is getting ready to say some pretty heavy theological stuff to a Samaritan woman, serial adulteress. Let's read it. Wow. A Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone to, buy, to the city to buy food. Hmm. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Duh. Hmm. She's shocked. She's a woman of Samaria, and Jesus, a Jew, asks her for something to drink. I mean, that's just, you just don't do that. They're kind of like untouchables in India. You just don't do it. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Huh? Okay, Jesus. You ask her for a drink. She asks how, why are you asking me to give you some of the drink? You're a Jew and you don't do that. And then you respond with yet another question. If you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for living water.
3: Huh.
0: Huh. The woman said to him, sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. How are you going to get out of straw? <laughs> Where do you get that living water? We think about it. I mean, you know. She's she's thinking rationally. She's thinking realistically. That's a deep well. How are you gonna get the water? She's thinking literally here. Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. I mean, if you drink of the water that's down there in that well, you're gonna be thirsty again. All right. Just, Just a simple fact. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Not just what little bit I give you, it, it becomes a source of its own spiritual nourishment. Spiritual water, heavenly water, magic water, water that... that fills and fulfills and flows from you even. Not earthly water, not water from Jacob's well, but divine water. So he's just making it clear. It's not everyday common dish water he's talking about here. This is special. The, uh, uh, true holy water, so to speak. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. She finally gets it. Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Oh, <laughs> she had it for just a moment. And then she screws it up and thinks, that, thinks about this is sort of, you know, spiritual plumbing. <laughs> I can have spiritual hot and cold running water, don't have to come here anymore to draw it up. Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty. Let's help her out and put a period there and scratch out the rest, okay? All right. Or have to keep coming here to draw water. No, she almost had it. and She missed it. Jesus said to her... I mean, she wants the water. I mean, that's the good news, by the way. She wants it. But she still sees it within practical terms. Jesus said to her, Go. Call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said, remember Jesus, you know, he's kind of omniscient. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. Oh, Elizabeth Taylor. (laughs) You have had five husbands. And what's worse The one you have now is not your husband. Number six, you ain't even married to. You've had five husbands. And number six, you're not married to. The one you have now is not your husband. So she's a Samaritan. She's a woman. Those are two big strikes right there. She's been married five times. That's five strikes right there or four, she's and the one she's with now, she's not even married to. <laughs> As I said, a ser- serial adulteress, huh. you know, there's adultery and there's serial adultery again and again and again and again and again. For you have five husbands, you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. <laughs> of course. Sir, I see that you're a prophet. Shazam, wowie, you know quite a bit. Our ancestors, oh, course, now she wants to have a nice theological debate with him. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem.
2: a little different yeah. um, uh-huh. translation our fathers worshipped on this mountain but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is, it, is in Jerusalem yeah it's
0: a slightly alternative translation there yeah essentially it says the same thing but you but you Jews the Greek word for you here and in verse 21 and 22 is plural you so, so that we could translate it this way uh, sir I see that you're a prophet our ancestors worshipped on this mountain but y'all say <laughs> <Southern> <laughs> she lives in the north but we'll give it the southern Jewish, Jewish translation yeah, yeah. the southern, southern Hebrew um, but y'all say that people were where, that, the, that, that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem and the y'all is of course a reference to the Jews of whom Jesus is a part Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. That's fascinating. That's actually really good advice, woman. I think you ought to listen to that. When he says, woman, believe me. But let's not get caught up in I want to see what it reads. Yeah. Uh, believe. Exercise belief. Exercise faith. Faith in me. Faith me. Faith what I'm about to get ready to tell you. What I'm going to tell you is the truth. Woman, faith me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Oh, 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 oh. You worship what you do not know. How? Oh. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Oh, well, excuse me. <laughs> Uh, You worship what you do not know. We worship what. give, give, Give her credit. I mean, you know, give the Samaritans credit. They worship God. They don't really know God very well because they're not Jews. They don't have the full revelation of the Torah, they don't have the full revelation of the prophets, they don't have the full revelation of the writings. So they worship Yahweh, but they don't know Yahweh fully like we do. We're good southern Jews. And salvation comes from the Jews. Hmm. I wonder how that went over in 1939 in Berlin in the Lutheran Church. They, I mean, this is part of the lectionary here I mean, you know, and they had to read it. I, mean, I wonder what that was like to stand up there in 1939 and 1940 in the Lutheran Church in Berlin and read this passage. And when you get down there where it says for salvation is from the Jews, I mean, how could they do it with a straight face? But the hour is coming and is now here. The hour is coming and is now here. The concept of the now and not yet. We talk about the now and not yet with regards to the kingdom of God. We say that the church is the kingdom of God here, now, today, and also is preparing for the coming kingdom of God that is yet still to come. It is both now and not yet. Same idea articulated right here. But the hour is coming. It's not here yet. And is now here. Yeah, it is here. It's coming and it is also now here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. Not in places... Not on mountains, not here, not in Jerusalem. Instead, in ways, in spirit and in truth. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. I mean, uh, up until this and all the way up to 70 AD, Jewish worship included slaughter and animals, sacrifices. Lots and lots of sacrifices. Lots and lots and lots of sacrifices, among other things, but it also included spiritual worship, both in the synagogue and even in the temple. Prayer, and hymnody, the singing of the Psalms. And here he's pointing out, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. very advanced statement in theology, by the way, the woman's and and not foreign to Jewish thought either, by the way. Here he is echoing what lots of prophets in the Old Testament said repeatedly, in response to people who said, "Look at all the sacrifices we've done. Look at all the wonderful works we do. Look at all the things we do for God. Look at the temple we built. Look at all these sacrifices we kill here. All the blood we sprinkled on the altar. This certainly should give, this surely should give us brownie points with God." And the prophet says, "Nah." I don't care for this stuff anymore. I want your spiritual worship. Saw that in the Old Testament many times. So this is not foreign to Jewish articulation. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. <laughs> yeah.
1: that's, that's the not yet and now, isn't it? Yeah, it is, <laughs> exactly. Right on. Yeah.
0: The spiritual truth, worshiping in spirit and in truth. God being spirit, all this affirmation about the idea of the anointed can be culminated in the concept of the anointed one. Here she is though, she's still trying to show Jesus that she knows a little bit about their theology. It's coming. The Messiah is coming. And then of course a little aside here, who is called Christ? You know, that's for people who want to know what, to know that, what it uh, means. <laughs> then when he comes he will proclaim all things to us. Notice she includes herself in the group. Well, the Jews thought the Messiah's job was to come for the Jews. Mm -hmm. Well, the Samaritans, well, you're just out of luck. But she includes herself in the list. Cool. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, (laughs) I am (laughs) the one who is speaking to you. He has been added. He, let's see if I'm Yeah, the Greek reads just quite literally, I am. Ego emi. Let me, let me, let me, I want to look and see if it actually says that. Uh, 26. Ego emi, I am. Which in Aramaic is yachveh. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> the first of the I am statements. It is. The very first of the I am statements. You mean Jesus reveals himself to be the Messiah with one of the I am statements? To a woman, Samaritan, who's been married five times and is currently living with a, husband, a man who is not her husband, who argues with him about theology? Yep. Whew, well, we're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> If Jesus is going to talk to her, maybe there's a chance to talk to us. I mean, I'm not a Samaritan woman who's been married five times and is living out of wedlock with some other man. <laughs> That's good news. Just then, his disciples came. Boy, they got timing, don't they? They've they missed all of this teaching. They were astounded, astonished, that he was speaking with a woman. <laughs> they were astonished that he was speaking with a woman but no one said what do you want or why are you speaking with her when the woman left then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city she said to the people come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done he cannot be the Messiah can he that's a rhetorical question yeah he is they left the city and were on their way to him. They left the city and they were on their way to him. Meanwhile, back on the ranch, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus said, I have food to eat that you don't know anything about. I got the snicker bargaining. <laughs> I mean, you know, that just kind of blows me away. <laughs> they went away to buy food. He already has food. He said, <laughs> But been, been hiding. I, mean, uh, I would have <laughs> been kind of mad. <laughs> well, we went and bought you this cheeseburger and fries, and you already had a ham and cheese sandwich hidden in there? Oh, now Nah. I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. <laughs> it was the woman. <sighs> Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. So here he is. I mean, he's been preaching in the spirit now, but he's been tired. He's been thirsty. Now he's no longer hungry and clearly no longer tired or thirsty. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you, say, do you, do you not say four months more? Then comes the harvest. But I tell you, Look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. You don't have to wait, friends. It's right, right now. I mean, in the world, yeah, we still got four months to go before we can harvest. But really, quite frankly, start right now. There's plenty of people to harvest right around us. They're called Samaritans. Ooh. <laughs> the, reaper, the reaper is already receiving uh, wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together for here the saying holds true one sows and another reaps i sent you to reap that for which you did not labor others have labored and you have entered into that labor now that's just kind of weird what the heck is he talking about well, this comes out of blue out of nowhere i mean here he is he's been on the side well, been talking to the woman samaritan woman he asked her for some drink, she gives him an argument, never, he never gets his water. Did you notice that? Never gets yeah. his water. There we know. That. He went, well, you know, he, she never gave him any. She leaves her bucket there and goes. And then they've gone off to buy food. He, they come back. Here, here's your cheeseburger. And it says, I'm not hungry. Well, did somebody bring him food? No, I don't have to eat. That's not what I'm interested in. My food is to do that which... I've been sent to do. My food is to do the will of him who sent me to complete his, God's, work. And then he goes into this long statement here about sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Almost out of context, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Almost out of context. I, I sent you out... I sent you out... Verse 38, I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Huh. What might the context be here? What might the context be? Where is he? He's in Samaria. He's in Samaria. What was going on in the church at the time that John's gospel was written? In in the ancient world at that time in general. Gentiles were entering the church in rather huge numbers. They had been for quite a while since the 50s, but since the 40s, actually. But by this point in time, with the destruction of the Second Temple and the diaspora of all the Jews out of out of the Jerusalem area and out of uh, up north into Galilee and then beyond but the diaspora completely underway at this point in time and Christians especially being ejected out of Israel out of Judea uh, by the Romans uh, what do you have you have the ch- and the church being thrown out of the synagogues I mean the church the Christians were for a while they're still trying to worship in the synagogues and have their own worship at home uh, as, in the Christian uh, context and they've been thrown out of synagogues, you know, starting in the 70s and so what you have is the church essentially solidifying its base in the non-Jewish community in, in, in a community other than the traditional one and that's kind of like the Samaritans the Samaritans weren't expected to be part of the kingdom of God or the new kingdom of David. They were imperfect. They got flaws. They got a lot of correcting to, to get them ready. You know, at least, sacchar- at least they're mostly circumcised. At least they have some of the Torah. They follow the Ten Commandments and some of the dietary regulations. They don't seem to be too much concerned about this woman who had five husbands and is lived with a guy who's not her husband. But apart from that, I mean, you know, they, these Samaritans just you know, kind of are on the outside. Well, here, here the church, at the time John's gospel is written, is involved with, with communicating the gospel to Gentiles who don't keep dietary regulations, who don't circumcise, who are really on the outside. And the church is reaping members, new people. It's growing tremendously. And he's saying, Jesus is speaking here, to the Jehannine church and say in the 90s AD the fields are ready to be harvested to be reaped the sowing occurred in the previous generations it's now time to reap it's time to grow this community even beyond where we are now I think a statement that's being placed into Jesus' lips for the community that's hearing it in the gospel that we're reading today and it could apply to any community, anywhere. It applies to this church right here. The harvest is plentiful right out there, friends. A lot of people out there have heard the gospel from other people than us. And the harvest is ready. Other people have sowed. It's time for us now to reap. Does that make sense? Look what happens next to finish up the story. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Wow, they didn't seem to have a problem with her. They knew her, they knew who she was. Maybe she was Elizabeth Taylor (laughs) or the equivalent. Someone who's very popular and very powerful in the town. Many Samaritans, we we don't know how those other five husbands died by the way. She might have accumulated a lot of money there, (laughs) black widow. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Well, maybe that's why she's not married to the sixth husband. He's afraid of (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. That's quite a scandal, friends. Jewish rabbi stays with Samaritans. (gasps) It's like a white preacher going back in the 1920s going in an African-American community. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this, true, that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Savior of the world. The Savior of the world. So, the Samaritans are among the very first people to hear and proclaim Him the Savior of the world. We've got a few selected special disciples who said, Yeah. You've got Nicodemus who's curious, but doesn't seem to really go anywhere other than to listen to what Jesus had to say. You've got the Pharisees who are trying to whip up trouble between Jesus and John the Baptist. And now you've got the Samaritans who hear and believe. Wow. Wow. Questions, thoughts, observations, opinions? ideas, beliefs.
1: It sounds like he's proclaiming himself. Sure is. Yeah. I mean, this is a, I think this is the only time he says this before the trial, that I am. Well, he's been real careful, supposedly,
0: before that. Well, there's a, there's a whole I am solilo- soliloquy yeah. that we going But this is the very first of the I am proclamations. I am, the, I am the Messiah. Yeah. This is, well, but where he says I am. I am. Ego eni in Greek. Yahweh and A. This is, in John's Gospel, this is the first place where he says that. But the, the
3: lady doesn't seem to get it.
0: Yeah, Not really. Because she, she says, a, can it be the Messiah? Well that's a rhetorical that's question. A yeah. That's a rhetorical question. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? No. Well that's a third class conditional in Greek and what that means is it's the condition that is assumed to be true. It's a way of speaking in Greek that's pretty common. Uh, We used to say in communion, the bread which we break, is it not a means of sharing in the body of Christ? Is it not? Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the liturgy in 1989, I mean, I stuck with that one up until a couple of years ago. But the liturgy in 89, I noticed, flipped it. And now it's a straightforward affirmation, not a rhetorical question. The bread which we break, it is a means of partaking. In the body. But it's the same statement. It's just how the language has articulated. Uh, rhetorical questions are less common these days in nominal speech. But back then, in Greek, it was very common. It's common up until recent generations, in English, even. It's, it's a rhetorical question. But you're correct in a sense. He's got it. I mean, she she's got part of it. She's struggling with it. She knows there's something really special about this guy. First of all, he's talking with her. He's doing something that Jews don't do. Certainly not rabbi Jews.
1: Uh, how did she know he was Jewish? She just did. She
0: was on. She had
1: the. She had. She had She's she a prophet. Well, I don't know. How did she know he was a Jew if all the disciples were gone?
0: Good question. It just uh, came to me unless they dressed differently or something. Not really. So. so. His appearance may have been a little bit different.
2: His language. She, his he said to her.
0: Type of well, Hebrew, Hebrew might have been, his, his, his vernacular may very well have given it away. Now that, that could be it. Be so while they would have spoken pretty much the same language, Aramaic, the dialect could very well have been different as a result well, of.
3: Well, there must be some visual things, because in your Good Samaritan story, he's just laying
0: there. They're walking on the other side. you way. know he's a Samaritan. Huh? Yeah. How did yeah. the person know the guy's laying right.
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, the Samaritans probably... Uh, it's hard to be sure, but I would imagine that the Samaritans did look different from the Judahites in the south, <laughs> principally because of the extreme intermarriage between the Iratians who were moved there by the Assyrians. The Erratians, uh tended to look... Oh, it's hard to be sure, but from the artwork of the area they, they actually had slight, slight mongoloid appearances. They were slightly Asiatic in their appearance. And, slightly. They had some they looked kinda of like the Tatars did. They come from that basic region. And so the thinking is, is that, that they could very well have had an external appearance that was significantly different. And so she could have looked at him and known instantly that he was a Jew. I'm ancestrally speaking because of his appearance you know you you could say well he had a great big honking nose and no (laughs) I I don't think that's it I think he just looked Jewish and his vernacular was Jewish his speech was, was his Aramaic was Jewish clearly whereas she was probably looked Samaritan no question that she was a Samaritan besides she they're in Samaritan territory there at Sychar he evidently came from the south. He'd come north from Jerusalem, from the Judean yeah. countryside, along the mountain range, straight up the middle. And essentially, it's the most direct route to get back to Galilee, but it's mm-hmm. also the mm-hmm. Rough, mm-hmm. Difficult one, more difficult to walk. And you're walking. Oh, he must have been part Billy up. Up and down and up and down and up and down. Yeah, he's tired. And he's dusty. He's tired, dusty, and dirty You make your way north to a certain point, and then you cut yourself across on the Megiddo. the the Megiddo, uh, pass through into the Jezreel Valley, and that's that was the route he was taking.
2: Um, MacArthur makes an interesting um, point as well about the theme of this, and that he gives five genuine, or John gives five, genuine but subtle proofs that Jesus is truly the Messiah yeah. which we were talking about which yeah. I was questioning before and, right. and then all of a sudden I came upon this um, the first proof of his immediate control of everything the, um, in this he said that the apostles come up or his disciples come up just as he is
0: finished speaking with them. <laughs> what <they> timing? <laughs> had, yeah,
2: had it been before they would have interrupted and said don't be talking to her and this message would have been lost Had it been after, they would have not heard what transpired, part of the last part that was transpiring. So the timing wasn't just happenstance. Um, Then proof of his impact on the woman uh, in um, verse 28, and then proof of his intimacy with the father in um, 31, proof of his insight of men's souls, and then proof of his impression on the... Of the Samaritans so the idea of proving who he is again the miracle of I am right being shown once again in this story
0: yeah and this is also the first place where you know it's quite literally on his lips as to who he is
2: yeah,
0: yeah. I mean all the other affirmations are about him other than what he's doing when he changes the water into wine and is cleansing the temple but here we have him actually proclaiming you know I thought
2: both the woman and Jesus were audacious because she turns to a, here she is with this path, past, turning to a rabbi and questioning him, that's audacious, but then for him to look at right back at her, handing it right back at her Mm -hmm. and saying,
0: I it's mean, a yeah, it's a pretty forceful exchange here. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, she had a good point about the temple. Yeah,
2: and that's why she had she
0: a very reminds. good point. Y'all say we ought to worship down there, but we worshipped up here. What do you say, essentially? <laughs> and he says the time is coming and is now here where you're going to be worshiping in spirit and in truth, not in Jerusalem and not here, but in spirit and in truth. That's probably. What many people identify, and in, in, in my own preaching of it, has been the core, the focus, is the whole idea that's the spirit and the truth that we proclaim, that we worship. doesn't matter where, doesn't matter who you are, it's in spirit and in truth. So he's really
1: validating her idea that Jerusalem is not the only place?
0: Um, only in part because she would want him to validate that they can worship there, that they can worship on that mountain. Yeah, and, they can, if you can worship
1: anywhere, you can worship on the
0: mountain. Yes, you can. But that's why I'm saying it's only in park. It's not. That, you can also them worship them that in. Far, in right? But you can worship in Jerusalem too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she but, didn't say you can worship in Jerusalem. She said only. Yeah. Only. In Jerusalem. That's true.
2: And I think she also her characterization transcends time, because look at the messes we have gotten ourselves in 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 the 21st century and we are as obnoxious as she is yeah. you know and in your face and going well you know what I'm,
3: my jesus is a more kinder gentler jesus yeah
2: and or or some of the other things like oh i choose not to believe that part of the mythology of the bible and and say that out loud you know in, and then
0: Right there is where I differ with the Bible. That's, <laughs> that's, right, right, that's what some right, Southerner would right say. There, right there, right there, right there. <laughs> I wish Jesus had. You know, there are times when I was Paul. Why the heck did you say that? You know, remember <laughs> exactly. we didn't. We was yeah, times exactly. with Paul. Why did? Why did you say that, Paul? Ah, kind of bit. Yeah. Um, one of the things that he does is yet again, just as with Nicodemus in the encounter with Nicodemus, so here the encounter with the woman, which is far larger than the encounter with Nicodemus. It has more material in it in and of itself it's a coherent account, nevertheless is used by John to set up something else. It's a speech with his disciples, which means his speech to the church then in the day that John's gospel was written. So this story is used to set up another dialogue. It's a dialogue to set up a dialogue in which the context seems to be totally out of the blue with what's going on here other than tangentially, And the focus is more along what do these disciples who are then living in this day, reading this gospel or hearing it read, what are they supposed to be doing? What's going on currently in their lives? we got all these Gentiles coming in. What did Jesus preach to the Samaritans? Big whoop-dee-doo. Jesus himself tells you, your harvest is plentiful. Get out there and do it. It didn't matter if you sowed or not. It's time for you to reap. So the application then placed into Jesus's lips is, you know, for for the people then, and quite frankly, for people any day, get out there and get to work. Doesn't matter who they are. Yeah, they're a bunch of Samaritans. Big whoop. They need to hear the gospel too, essentially. And he proved that by showing that Jesus went and stayed with them for two days. And they believed him because not not so much because of what she said, but because of what they heard him say. In the end, that's interesting. That's often missed.
1: Would he be saying what you just said to Jews? You know, so there's nothing worth you know low life Samaritan here. But what about preaching to the Jews, like Paul kept talking about? But this. What about preaching to the Jews? What about converting the Jews?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it seems like he's not really caring about them. It does, doesn't
1: it? He he's doesn't his, care about the chosen
0: people. Well, he's left yeah, he's Judea. He's heading to Galilee. Yeah. and he's right now in between, and he's still he's going to take a two days now to preach to people who aren't Jews.
1: That's a little interesting.
0: It's extremely interesting, and that's the point that I was bringing out—that this is being used to set up a statement to the then-current church, saying to them, "Look, you got all these Gentiles out here who are coming into the church. You need to be welcoming them in. They may not be Jews, big whoop. They are—they need to hear the gospel. Welcome them in." I I think that's—that is how the gospel author here has taken the story and used it to support this little speech that he makes about the importance of the field being ready for harvesting. And then this final little line that just I just come back to. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, that we faith, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is truly the savior of the cosmos, of the world. <laughs> they make this proclamation of him as the savior of the world wow final questions before we break
2: you were um, Rich, Rich brought up the idea of turning the attention on to the Gentiles but I was under the impression that Jesus did um, Witness to the Jews, Mm -hmm. and that he did have a following among them. Sure, he has disciples. Unfortunately, because it was such a structured religion, that there was a little cleanup behind him as he went. I went, okay, okay, good, yes, great prophet, a a nice Jewish boy, um, but you got to remember, like you have um, talked about, you've got to, you know make sure that you stay kosher and keep the kids safe. Well, you've got your Jewish baggage
0: that they keep dragging out, that the New Testament church dragged out, that the Brethren of James continually dragged out, all of the Jewish baggage that seems to continually be getting in the way. I'm sure the Samaritans had their own baggage. The Gentiles mm-hmm. certainly have their own baggage. Paul spends a lot of time talking about that to the church, especially to the Gentile church. John... John seems to be more focusing in on here, at this point in time, right here in this place. Go ahead and make the message that Jesus spent two days. I mean, that's pretty impressive, right here at the beginning, in John's Gospel.
1: It also seems like, you know, they had all the signs and the woman telling them all these things, it only took them, it only took these Samaritans two
0: days, how long has it taken you? <laughs> That's another, hey, there you go. That'll preach right there. That'll preach. It took them two days. And they proclaimed the Savior of the world. You have been listening to a Bible study by Dr. Gregory Neal, Senior Pastor of St. Stephen United Methodist Church and Rector of Grace Incarnate Ministries. Copyright 2010 by Dr. Gregory S. Neal. All rights reserved. For more information or to listen to other seminars, Bible studies, or sermons by Dr. Gregory Neal, visit us on the web at www.revneal.org. That's www.revneal.org. You are also invited to visit us in person at St. Stephen United Methodist Church, 2520 Oates Drive, Mesquite, Texas, 75150. This program was produced by Dr. Greg Neal.